Traveling the Vortex. Side trip. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at Planet Comic-Con! I'm Keith. I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And we are Traveling the Vortex. We are a Doctor Who podcast. Uh, we actually operate out of Topeka, Kansas, just down the road. Um, but we are on the internet, and if you haven't checked us out, give us a listen. Our address is uh, www.travelingthevortex.com. If there's any British people in here... Sorry, Sil. If there's any British people, it's one L on traveling. I'm sorry, we do the American spelling, so we've had a lot of people confused on that. Anyway, we're not the ones you guys are here to see. The man you're here to see, this is his first appearance at Planet Comic Con. This is the first Doctor Who doctor that we have gotten at Planet Comic Con, so this is exciting. He is also Radagast the Brown in the Hobbit movies. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sylvester McCoy. Welcome to Kansas City. Thank you. Uh, is this your first time in Kansas City, or have you been here before? Yeah, it is. It's my first time in Kansas City. And I was really amazed that when I got here, I hadn't got to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. And just to make me doubly confused, there are two Kansas cities. And they're right next to each other. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Yeah, there's London, yeah, but one's in Ontario and the other one's in England. <laughs> hey, there's a logic in that, not right across the road or across the river. There are two Parises as well. Yep. That was a great film, Paris, Texas, I loved that. I thought it was a great film. Anyway, here I am and there you are. Oh, do come in, you're late. Come on in, squeeze in, there's plenty of room. Sit down, enjoy yourself. Seeing all these people here, I, I'm a little inspired. Uh, has anybody seen the Oscars with Ellen DeGeneres in the selfie? Yeah, okay. Come here, guys. We, we want to break the internet. Well, we're going to try. Real quick here. What do we do? Stand up. <laughs> this is the selfie we want to break the internet. Everybody smile or you're all in it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> One more. It's mad. Somebody in the back room is not smiling. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Go ahead. Now, pass that along to your friends. They need to, we're going we're gonna to beat Ellen's Twitter tweet for the picture, so let's do this. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> Beyond my can. Anyway, cheers. Should we open up to the audience for some questions? Mm. Do, do you guys have questions that you already oh, know or do you want us to ask? Do you want to ask questions? 
Oh, really? Have they got well, any well, questions? Well, well, if you want to rest, we'll jump in here you and ask a couple of questions. No, 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 no. If you, well, you've opened up the audience for questions. We're going to open up to the audience I've got to go down questions. and answer them. Who's got a question for Sylvester? He's going to come down and join you. Sylvester, what were you doing before you came to Kansas City? Did you have any projects you were working on? Now, here I am. Right. Anyone, look, don't have to queue up. You don't have to queue up if you don't want to. But if you want to ask me a question, what do you want to ask me? Were you happy with the way you regenerated in the movie? No. <laughs> no, I was not happy. I should have been in it longer. Anyway, they call it the Paul McGann movie. It's not the Paul McGann movie. It's the Sylvester McCoy and Paul McGann movie. And they go on about the... Um, they go on about the inside of the TARDIS. They say, the inside of the TARDIS, that's the Paul McGann one. No, it's not. It's mine. I arrive with it. I must say, I like that one. I was very fond of that. I always wanted a punk, steampunk kind of, you know, internal TARDIS uh, console. And so I was really pleased that I got that. So that was good. Anyway, you want to ask a question over here? You don't have to queue. I'll come to you. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you coming to Kansas City. It's awesome to have a first doctor, uh, uh, a doctor come here, not the first doctor. But, um, I'm the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, what I wanted to say uh, is that I think the most brilliant thing that has been done for the 50th anniversary was the, the Five Doctorish reboot. So, the line that you gave with the helicopter, I just died. You killed me on that one. But um, what I to say, though, is that I've looked online. I cannot find my answer. And my question to you is this. Is that really you and Colin and Peter under the, under the robes, uh, not robes, under the sheets in the... Uh... Where's the camera? You got close up? The answer is... No! <laughs> I ain't telling. I'm going over here now to the other one. Anyone want to ask a question on the way? Just put your hand up and I'll stop and we can have a question. But um, it seems I'll, I'll do a couple of the cures and then you can all cue I, I just wanted to tell you that um, I've been a big fan of Doctor Who for a very long time. Watched it since John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Colin Baker, all the way up. Uh, and Thank God you didn't name all of them. <laughs> Sorry about that. This is a heavy microphone. But after Colin Baker, when he started after, uh, I believe it was after Tom Baker. No. No. John, Peter, 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 Peter Davidson, uh, and there was a big flack about Colin Baker taking over the role, and he was too cartoonish, etc. And then when you slipped into the role afterwards, was there? Um, could you give us an idea what the production meeting was like at that time? Were you like nervous about trying to carry the legacy, or sorry, was it a real heavy question? You're looking at me like it's a really heavy question. I mean, it's, it's gone on for so long. I can't remember the beginning. No, I've got you. I'm just joking. Yes, no, what was it like taking over? Well, the thing is, it was a bit of a problem because I had not seen Doctor Who for years. I hadn't seen it. I'd been working as an actor um, and, you know, you don't get... We didn't have means of recording it or watching it again. So I had no idea of what Doctor Who was like. It was a distant memory. And I thought... I remembered my first Doctor who was Patrick Troughton, so I kind of vaguely thought, I'll do Patrick Troughton. And that's what I kind of, kind of I, had, I thought it was comedic, and so I, I started my Doctor off in that comic way. But then as I got the part and realised how brilliant it was, the part, it's a great part to, for any actor to play, because there are so many facets, you can do so much with it. You can have such fun, you can have such misery, you can have such, you can dance, you can sing, you can be angry, you can be happy, you can play the spoons. And... <laughs> 
I thought, this is a great, 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 great piece to do. Uh, anyway, thank you. So this is a great, you know, thing to do. So that's how I approached it, really. Um, I was given complete freedom because by then JNT, the producer, was a wee bit fed up being... He wanted to do another something else. So he, uh, Andrew Cartmel, the script editor, and myself just got together and we created My Doctor over a period of time. Oh, no, hang on, that was a nice thing you were saying there. <laughs> you, you had completely revitalized the character for me and I'm sure for a lot of the audience, and that's why I think Doctor Who is still back today. Thank you. Shucks. <laughs> Shucks. Now, I'm going to go in here and ask there's someone in here. I actually have a question about The Hobbit. Um, how was it like, what was it like to be on that after the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the start of The Hobbit? Well, it, it, was, um, it was a shitty part, but someone had to do it. <laughs> um, it was uh, all that poo. Um, the thing was, uh, I, was already, I was up for Bilbo Baggins. And uh, 12 years before, I had gone along and auditioned. Hello, I like your, tartan, your, uh, your British shirt there. Um, I went along for Bilbo Baggins. Hello. And um, I didn't get it, but I nearly got it. I got down to the last two. There was the last two uh, actors who they were going to choose between. And then they chose Ian Holm, the great Ian Holm. So I was very disappointed. But that was the beginning of my, my journey towards... Radigast Brown. So, yes. Radigast Brown. I'm making you work for your money, aren't I? <laughs> anyway, so that's... Uh, uh, that was my journey, really. Uh, th that, and then doing King Lear with Ian McKellen, touring the world. And we ended up going to uh, New Zealand. I'll just come up to make sure you're not asleep. And then um, New Zealand, and then... Um, uh, yeah, I met Peter and Fran and Philippa and the rest is history. I got this part with poo down my face. <laughs> you know all about poo down your face. You've just got a baby there. You're kind of going... <laughs> Anyone else up here want to ask a question? Does go on over there. Sir, I hope I'm not being too presumptuous, but could I have a hug? Okay, hug away. <laughs> Cheers. Presumptuous little blackguard. <laughs> Anyone along here want to ask a question? There's a boy. Do you, still watch, do you still watch Doctor Who today? Yes, when I can. I mean, I'm traveling and working and all over the world, but when I last, last three years, whenever, I, whenever Doctor Who was on in Britain, I was in New Zealand. And whenever it was on in New Zealand, I was in Britain. <laughs> but anyway, I did get to meet Matt Smith recently when I made the Five Doctors reboot. And we went down to uh, Cardiff, and there was Matt, who I thought, you know, a, a rather wonderful doctor. And he came bounding up. He's like an Afghan hound. <laughs> He's so lovable. And he comes up, and he hugs you, and he licks your face, and he wags his tail. I mean, he's just a joy. He's great. I remember when, when, when they, you know, the casting of him, I, I, I believed then, I believed that, um, you know, the doctor should be older, maturer, you know, a bit like me, really. And, um, and I, I didn't really think a young doctor would be a really good idea, principally because there are enough superheroes in the world, enough superheroes who wear their underpants outside their trousers, that, um, you know, I thought, 
and it used their muscles to solve problems. So I thought, we want someone with a brain. And we Anglo-Saxons don't respect our old people as much, say, as other people do. And I thought it was great to have a hero who was old, grey-haired, and children could look up to him and think, wow. But then when they cast a 12-year-old, I was like, <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't do that. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And then I was wrong, because this 12-year-old came along with this amazing face that is... Well, it's the best time large face I've ever seen. It's ancient and young, and it's everything, isn't it? I mean, it just changes. It fits every scenario that um, he can do. Who, who are you texting? I'm just honored to meet you, and I wanted to thank you for your years, and also... 70, my years? Well, <laughs> the time that you spent acting, and not just in The Doctor, not just in The Hobbit, but in all the things you, I've been able to enjoy. Great, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Next. Hi. Um, I was just going to ask if you thought the more recent doctors had kept the spirit of the doctor as well as like the earlier regenerations. Well, I think they have. I, the only reason why I, I, I can say that is that you can sit down now. <laughs> There's your seat there. Are you comfortable? Good. Thank you. Um, yeah, you see... Um, uh, uh, recently, I was working with the producer of Doctor Who uh, well, you know, we on the 50th anniversary thing. Uh, I mean, I wasn't in it, but as you may have noticed, <laughs> except for perhaps one little bit at the end. Um, anyway, uh, Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat said to me something I didn't re quite realize. He said that my doctor had changed Doctor Who into another place because of the... Uh, the, you know, the kind of the more deep depth, as it were, brought to it. I mean, what he said was that before that, it was cartoonish in, its, in a way. That, that wasn't a negative thing. It was just that that's its world. You know, it's like, it, but where I, I came along and brought a darkness to it, a sadness, uh, you know, tiredness, uh, agedness, all those kind of things. And he said that that's affected Doctor Who ever since. And that he's has inspired him and his doctors, you know, the ones he's written for. And a lot of the stuff that they're doing, he said, is inspired because of my doctor. Does that answer your question? Okay. Pardon? Do you feel cheated by the BBC? Because, I mean, Tom Baker and Pertry were on for five, six, seven seasons. You were on for two? Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, I don't feel cheated. It was, it was a great time, great job, and I did other stuff. You know, I've had a great time doing other stuff. And after Doctor Who, they paid me more because I was doing, being in Doctor Who. Uh, do you feel like you had a lot of choice during Doctor Who? Do I, what, what, what? Did you have a lot of choice in your character a lot? Yeah, the choice character. Yes, I did. I had a lot of choice. Because... Um, I, I, you just left it to me, and originally I started off kind of more comedic and Charlie Chaplin and that kind of world, Buster Keaton, and then, as I said earlier, I realized it was such a wonderful role, and you could do so much with it, so I opened darker doors and tried to go in there. I wanted to bring back the mystery of the Doctor. Who is the Doctor? Can we trust the Doctor? Is he safe? Rather than just being a hero, superhero. So, anyway. Sylvester. Hello, God. What do you want? Voice of God. Where are you? Do you have any favorite? Do you have any particular favorite stories that you did in serving as the Doctor? No. <laughs> now that uh, Day of the Doctor has opened the door, what do we have to do to see you on the new Doctor Who? The Day of the Doctor. 
I don't know, you've got to bribe um, Stephen Moffat. <laughs> yeah, get, 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 get together now and, and you know, put some dollars in and send it to Moffat. Bring back McCoy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know really. Favourite doctor, favourite stories. It's very difficult really when you're making them. You see them so differently. You can never see a Doctor Who story as playing the doctor like anyone else. In a way it's a curse because you can't enjoy it the way you all enjoy it. You see it, you know, uh, brand new, magical. We know everything that's going on. We know all the bad bits. We know, what, you know how hard things were and you can never see it. But those that I have got great memory for me might be, um, what is it, uh, survival. Now, we made survival in the summer and we filmed it in, in uh, the deserts of Dorset. It's a big sand pit in Dorset and it was uh, miles by miles of sand. It was over 100 degrees. It was like making a spaghetti western, something I'd always wanted to do. I, was even, I even rode a horse in that one. And we had cat people, and the cat people were all covered in fun fur and the makeup, and you know, it, they were, there was no place for them to get out of the shade. So they suffered terribly from the heat. And one of them just freaked out. She couldn't take it anymore. So she stripped off her fun fur and was last seen running over a sand dune. <laughs> the only thing was, she forgot she was wearing a thong. That's the one I remember. Um, what's your opinion on um, the new doctor? Um, well, I'm just, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Peter Garibaldi. <laughs> Peter Capaldi. I think he's going to be great. He's a wonderful actor, much, you know, really proven actor. And they've gone back to the bit of taking, getting an older actor to play the Doctor. So it'd be interesting to see how this a whole new generation of young Doctor Who fans will take to an older Doctor. And bizarrely, he is the oldest actor to start playing Doctor Who because um, William Hartner was younger than him when he first did it. So that's quite interesting, really. But I mean, you know... Peter is an amazing actor and, uh, you know, he'll be, I think he might bring a lot of the uh, fear back, you know, the danger. I hope he does. The danger of the doctor. Well, uh, first I want to say, I don't know if you remember two months ago in China. Oh, was that you? You mugged me. Yeah, I did. I, Give me my wallet back. I almost stole your cane, actually. I almost stole your cane. All right. In Chinatown? Yeah. I just wanted to say thanks. And uh, the other... <laughs> Uh, since I got to go over there and see London for the first time, which was amazing, I wanted to see what you thought of Kansas City and you've tried the barbecue. That seems to be a popular question today for all the get, uh, panel guests. Well, yes, I have managed to see a bit of Kansas City, and I'm mightily impressed by it. I, 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 I'm so uh, full of admiration for the burgers of, um, not the hamburgers, but, you know, the guys that run the place, uh, the burgers of... Kansas City, that uh, they haven't destroyed too many of the Art Deco buildings. It's a great to see that. You've kept a lot of your kind of classic buildings as well. And some of the new buildings are really, really fascinating and interesting. There's some ugly ones as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I felt very safe, quite safe wandering about. I do tend to wander about in cities and, um, uh, I, I, you know, no one mugged me and I thought, well, that's a good way. If no one mugs you, I mean, it must be a pretty good city. Um, my question, I guess, uh, is 
What is your opinion of Sophie Aldred as an actress, and where would you like to have seen her character on the show go had it been able to continue back then? Well, I think she's a great actress. I mean, I can't say she's not. She's terrific. Um, I, I adore Sophie. We're still great friends. We became friends from the very first time we met, and she laughed at all my jokes, and she still does. And that's great. That's why I love her. Um, where would she have gone? I don't know really. Some people said that perhaps she was going to go to become um, a Time Lord. But you can't become a Time Lord unless you're a Gallifreyan and she was a human being. So the ace, that means. So um, I don't think she could do that. But um, she could have gone on to greater things and perhaps Sylvester. still will. Sylvester? Yes. Can we ask just a moment? How many of you in the audience listen to Big Finish Audio? How many of you in the audience are Doctor Who fans? Those of you that did you not raise your hand hands up. the first time need to go listen to Big Finish Audios and discover this wide range of Doctor Who stories that is out there. Sylvester, can you tell us a little bit about what you do for Big Finish? Yeah, well, I mean, Big Finish, um, in a way, Sophie and I, after the end of Doctor Who, or the, the hiatus, decided that fans in Britain wanted to carry on making Doctor Who stories. And so they got together and they asked us if we would come and do stories that they would record. We did some videos as well. Uh, we called them the professor rather than the doctor because of, you know, kind of contractual reasons for the BBC. And uh, we did all that kind of stuff. So um, we wanted to keep it alive. Then we, we used to record in someone's toilet because the sound was good in there. And then gradually it got more and more professional. Again, it was all fans. It was all fans that ran it. And they, um, luckily there was one fan who was a very good businessman. And so he put it on a very good business footing and called it Big Finish. And now they make Doctor Who stories with Tom Baker, Colin Baker, Peter Davidson, Paul McGann, myself. And we have the amazing actors, British actors, and some American actors in them. And the um, writers are the same writers that write for the television program. And it's generally really tip-top stuff. And I get to play the doctor again, you know. And what's fa fascinating is that I can get older, but Ace, who's, uh, you know, Sophie's now, um, well, I won't tell you what age she is, but she's a... Uh, you wouldn't believe it anyway, because she, I mean, she's a Peter Pan girl, but um, she's still playing Ace, you know, as that 16-year-old or whatever age she was supposed to be. What's your personal favorite villain that you battled? Well, I suppose my personal favorite villain was the Daleks, really, only because I didn't think that I could, you know, be a real doctor until I'd beaten the Daleks, and so I did. I... Uh, and there was, it was quite interesting because they, they gave me a bazooka and they said, look, there, you have this bazooka and you blow them up. And I said, no, my doctor doesn't do that because I didn't believe, I believed that my doctor, or I believed that their doctor really, I was a bit amazed to find afterwards that some doctors had been violent. But I believe that my doctor coming from Gallifrey uh, was more intelligent uh, and, uh, you know, wouldn't, would use his brain rather than brawn to solve problems and to bamboozle the opposition and the enemy. I believed in that. I wanted to try and further that philosophy and so um, uh, when they, they said you have a bazooka and I said oh, I can't and then I said but Ace can <laughs> <laughs> so Sophie got a bazooka and she got the privilege of blowing up Daleks and my job was to actually talk them to death 
And I think that was, that was a revenge of one of the writers because they went back to the writer and said, at the, you know, at the end when I destroy the Daleks, and they said, listen, he doesn't want to kill them. He doesn't want to blow them up. And he said, well, the writer said, I'll, I'll take my revenge. And he wrote me this long, complicated speech that I had to learn to actually talk the bloody Daleks to death. I must say, I didn't like that at all. You actually just hit on exactly my question. The doctor is more likely to defuse a situation with the jelly baby than he is with a bazooka. Is it a, do you see a danger in them kind of getting away from that and becoming a more violent doctor as it's going forward? Well, I have, yeah, if that's the way it's going, I think it's a shame, really. I haven't seen a lot of them because, as I said, I've been traveling and working in various parts of the world when it's not on. And, um, I, I, you know, it, it would be a shame. I think, you know, to use the brain to get out of a problem is much better. I didn't have a, a screwdriver when I was a doctor. The reason for that was the producer thought it made it too easy for the writers to, uh, you know, get me out of trouble, get the doctor out of trouble. And it would be much more interesting for the writers to have to solve it that way. And so, uh, you know, I never had a sonic screwdriver. I know they're immensely popular, but, but, you know, I was quite pleased at that. And anyway, so that's, you're pointing at this person here. I'm sorry, I've had my uh, hand up since you started asking for questions. So I think I'm starting to impress them mildly. Uh, well, did you have a lot of fun goofing off on set with, like, the spoons and the magic tricks and stuff? I never goof. <laughs> How dare you say I goof? I'm very professional. Well, actually, what happened with the spoons was, um, Peter, Jan, John, Jonathan Turner, he used to love having a party. And we were on filming, and then we'd have a, a party at the end of the filming, that where, where we were. And everybody would do the party piece. Bonnie Langford, who was a great song and dance diva, she's a brilliant, you know, kind of music, musical uh, star. She would sing, and, and, and I, you know, I just played the spoons. And John Nathan Turner said, wow, we've got to have those in Doctor Who. And I thought he was kidding. I didn't really even want to have the spoons in Doctor Who. But lo and behold, there was a scene, and I find the spoons, and I get to play them all over Kate O'Mara's front. And my goodness, did those spoons bounce, I can tell you. <laughs> it was great fun. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, well, the, the other one, when all the magic stuff. Well, I ha earlier, I had, I've done circus, I've done street theater, busking, I've blown fire, I've exploded bombs in my chest. I've done all the, you know, the normal common gardener thing. And um, so they thought, wow, yeah, we'll use those skills. And I, but I had to learn some magic from a magician uh, to do some of them. And then they said, there's a juggling scene. And I said, I don't juggle. And they said, well, you do now, because it's, <laughs> it's, in, the, it's in the script. So I had to go away and learn how to juggle. And my neighbors, I don't know what they thought, because trying to juggle with balls are not so difficult, but juggling with clubs are hell. And they run away from you. And I was in the back garden. And the language was a terrible. You know, those juggling um, sticks swore like well, he did swear. <laughs> Sylvester, will you play the spoons for us? Um, yes. In a minute, maybe. Uh, so from your time on Doctor Who, do you have any, like, regrets? Like, what you wish you had done differently? No. <laughs> I can't remember. I really, honestly, I can't remember what... Such a long time ago, 26, 7 years ago. Um, could I, would I... Could I regret? Um, 
Well, I, I'm sure it'll come to me in the middle of the night. I'll wake up and go, I know, I know the answer to that question. Give me your number, I'll phone you up and tell you. Um, <laughs> I, well, I regret I didn't do the full season because I wanted, originally, I'd heard Patrick Troughton had told Peter Davidson that he'd only do three. And Peter told me that. And I thought, I'll only do three years. So uh, in the second year, the producer came to me and he said, listen, um, we want you to do a full season. And I went, nah. and he said, if you don't agree to do a full season, we won't do a third season. And I thought, oh, okay. So I agreed to do the full season. And then, you know, I was getting quite excited about that. This twist of my arm. I thought, this is great. They want me to do more. And then it all fell away and it never happened. So I was a bit miffed at that because I wanted to go much darker. I really was excited about, you know, making it much, much more mysterious. And perhaps the new doctor, Peter, who has got a great, you know, great kind of propensity for darkness in his acting will be really good at that. It's interesting. He's a Scotsman. No, you don't go, woo, you go, <laughs> Anyway, uh, he was a Scotsman, and uh, he's a Scotsman, and, 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 and David Tenney, he's a Scotsman, and, and uh, this might surprise you, I'm a Scotsman. And I keep wondering, why so many Scots playing Doctor Who? And I don't know if you know this, but in Glasgow, there is a permanent TARDIS in Glasgow. It's there, one of the original police boxes. And on a Friday night, the, the Scots, and especially the Glaswegians, like a bevy or two. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're kind of, oh, come on, eh? And so they come out of the pub late and, you know, a bit wobbly. And they come up to the, uh, the TARDIS and then bang on the door and say, come on, you want to let me in? I want to be the next Doctor Who, you know. So I think every now and again the door opens and they grab one of us and then that's how we become Doctor Who. Now... They want me to play spoons. The only problem is I, can, I need two hands to play the spoons. So I need a volunteer to hold the microphone. Do you want to hold the microphone? But you've got to hold them near the spoons. You know, whatever I... So, so I'll just test you. Where are the spoons? Ah, you're slow. Now, you see, you've got to keep... That's it. Right, and also, uh, could you hold that? Now, um, i just got to... Uh... I'm just tuning them up. <laughs> So, here we go. Where's that camera? You can't see me. Hello. Can you hear it? Doctor, which one would you be? Hey, that's a deep question. If I wanted to be, I was a different doctor, which one would I be? Um, uh, Patrick Troughton, perhaps. And the thing is, that my, they always say, generally, your first doctor is your favourite doctor. You hold him with you. Uh, you know, it's like your first love, really. There's always a special place in your heart for them. And I think Patrick Troughton is the very first doctor I ever saw. So I'd quite like to be, uh, to be uh, him. But you don't know who he is, do you? You haven't seen him? Because he's ancient. Number. Number two. Number two, yeah. I'd like to be number two, I think, if I was. 
Although, I, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult because the others are such good fun and, you know, great people and great actors. Uh, along the line with the idea that you were actually asked to do a fourth season, in uh, February of 1987, I was at a convention in Florida. It's the last time I saw John Nathan Turner. He actually used the excuse for firing Colin Baker, and it was a new policy that no actor would play the part for more than three seasons. So you partially answered the question. Obviously, he was a liar, you know. <laughs> but was survival written to possibly be an exit for Sophie as Ace? Because it takes place in Perryvale, kind of you had taken her home. Was the idea to leave her, and then maybe they changed it and decided to keep her for the cast for a fourth year? No. No, it was nothing of that, really. Um, and the thing is that Colin Baker only did two years. So, I mean... They counted Twin Dilemma as one season, even though it was at the end. Yeah, but that's not the reason why they got rid of him. Uh, I mean, it was just because the powers that be. I mean, I think John Nathan Turner was being pol political about that. He, was, he didn't want to. But in fact, it was the powers that be up above were trying to get rid of Doctor Who at the time. And then they got rid of it. And there was such a hoo-ha. Uh, everybody was... Hoo-ha! And a hee-ha! You see all the end of him. Anyway, there was such a kerfuffle about it. People didn't want uh, it to go. And so they brought it back and they, I, luckily they brought me back with it. I'll shake that hand too. I'm, I'm actually just recently watched all of your shows and I'm a new fan all over again. I'm, thanks for the five-ish doctors. You were, that was the best ever. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm in The Hobbit, you know. Since you haven't been asked in a while, can I have a hug? <laughs> Hey, I like this job. Sylvester, now that... Uh... I was, I, you know, I, 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 as I told you, some of you might not know this, but I was in The Hobbit, and I went to the very first... Thank you. I went to the very first um, Hobbit convention in Germany, and all these, uh, the majority of attendees were young Frauleins, and they were all women, really, and... Uh, well, Frauleins are women, aren't they? Anyway, uh, and 85% were women. A lot of them had come dressed as their favourite characters from The Hobbit. And they, they would came as the dwarfs and they had amazing costumes, as some of you have here. And they had beards. And they were into hugging. And I never knew that I was going to enjoy myself so much being hugged by bearded ladies. <laughs> Honestly. It was such fun. I loved every minute of it. Have you asked a question already? No, I haven't, but... If you weren't the seventh doctor, but you could be the new twelfth doctor, what would you do with the character in this day and age as they've taken it? <laughs> That's a complicated question. I mean, well, the actor tends to just learn the lines and try not to bump into the monsters. <laughs> no, it's the other way around. He learns the lines and tries to bump into the monsters. Um, what do I do with it? Well, I would do. I would go back. I would do what I wanted to do with mine. Uh, you know, I'd try and bring back the mystery really bring back the mystery and the wonder and, and uh, make him scary, uh, you see. Uh, that's what I would quite like to do. But um, that's what I would like to do. Is that a good book? Are you enjoying that read? You like that book? You like that book? Yeah, I like it. Good. <laughs> Better than so me. Lester, is it true you wanted to be a... Is it true you wanted to be a priest at one time in your youth? Oh, yeah. No, I... I uh, yes, I did. I decided I was going to train to be the Pope. Well, listen, if you're going into a business, you, you know, you go for the top job, don't you? 
No, I decided when I... What happened was in primary school, at the age of 11, Rosie O'Grady, who was, you know, our teacher, a head teacher. What a name, eh? You couldn't make it up. Anyway, Rosie O'Grady used to have vocational talks. She'd get a captain of a steamship in, and he'd come and talk to us about being a captain of a steamship. And then afterwards, she'd say to the children, who wants to be the captain of the steamship? And we'd all put our hands up. And then, you know, she got a doctor in, same thing. She'd get the bin man in, same thing. And, you know, various different people. And then one day she got a priest in, and we gave a talk on... And all these people are enthusing about the job so as an 11 year old you think wow I want to do that and um, anyway the priest left and she asked us who wanted to be a priest and only three of us put our hand up myself Danny Sweeney and uh, Mary Cullen for some reason Mary Cullen didn't the, the next thing that happened didn't happen to her we were immediately given the afternoon off school to go and see the priest to tell him we wanted to become priests now we hadn't been given the afternoon off to go and see the captain of the paddle steamer to tell him we wanted to be captains of paddle steamers. But anyway, we were so happy to have the afternoon off that we decided to go, you know, down to the, the uh, see the priests. And we knocked on the door, and the priest opened the door. And Danny Sweeney, he lost his bottle. He said, I don't want to be a priest anymore. I don't want to be a priest. And I said, you're a coward. <laughs> and so he ran away, and I knocked on the door just to show him. How deeply religious that was, wasn't it? And uh, how to show him that I was going to be a priest. The door opened. I said, I want to be a priest. Whoosh! I was in there. Before I knew it, I was in a seminary at the age of 11, 12, training to be a priest. It was the best years of my childhood life. I loved every minute of it. I got a housemaid's knee from praying. I, I took to it. You know, I was a method actor. I really did take to it. And I, I loved it immensely. I decided then that I would become a monk. I would, you know, I'd give up, you know, all kind of, because being a priest, a secular priest is living in the world, I'd become a monk, live behind walls and, you know, dedicate my life to God and Jesus and all that stuff. Anyway, um, I, I, I applied to the Dominicans, they came back and said, yeah, good idea, join us. I left the seminary, when I got home, another letter arising, oh, by the way, you're only 17, you have to be 18 to become a monk, so you better not, you have to wait for a year. So I had to go to school. As luck would have it, the only school in the Western Islands where I lived was the Dunoon Grammar School, and it was a mixed-sex school. The thing was that I went there, and after about six weeks, I suddenly realized I didn't really want to wear a skirt because I wanted to chase it instead. <laughs> and that was the end of my ambition to become the Pope. Years later, I did a documentary on the... On the uh, the, you know where I went to the seminary and I, uh, I uh, one of the, uh, he wasn't a cardinal he was a monsignor came who had been one of the teachers and he told me, he said, you know something you came from Argyll, you could be now up, you're the right age if you'd have stayed as a priest to become bishop of Argyll in the Isles. And I remember thinking wow, that's a nice, good role, great costume and, I mean, make, and he makes great entrances because the Isles have got, you know, islands all over the place. So he gets on the bow, you know, a bit like Washington crossing the, uh, the Delaware, you know, kind of doing that stuff, sailing into uh, the various islands that are romantic. But anyway, I'm now no longer a priest. Never got, I mean, and in a way, being Doctor Who is kind of slightly religious, isn't it? You know, high priest of science fiction, <laughs> Cardinal McCoy. Yeah, there's no need to stand. I'm not a priest, honestly. I'm not the Pope. Okay, that's okay. First of all, I'd like to thank you for being in uh, The Hobbit and Doctor Who. I ran it. It was introduced to both in the 60s. Made my teen years great. Uh, the one thing I've always been curious about, 
the most moving episodes in Doctor Who, Who for me have been those when the end comes and the next Doctor comes. And I know as many of the actors have been moved as well. And I was wondering how that episode moved you. What, the one where I handed over to that rather ugly little man from Liverpool? <laughs> you know, when you see photographs of me and Paul McGann next to each other, he's taller than me. He's not, he's standing on a box. <laughs> it infuriates me. Thank you. No, um, sad. Well, actually, in a way, I think it's rather different for me because I'd actually given up Doctor Who nine years before, really. You know, I'd, I'd not, not, uh, and so when they asked, they were going to bring it back, I was delighted just to be there, to be part of the helping of the bringing it of it back. Do you know what I mean? So I, uh, I, it didn't really upset me much. I just had a great time. I mean, I love the fact that having worked for the BBC where they used to change in the toilet, suddenly I, was, I had a big pantechnican and uh, Eric Roberts arrived two weeks after uh, I'd been filming and he arrived and looked at his big pantechnic and dressing rooms and stuff and decided he didn't like the carpet. And I thought, well, I wish I'd done that. I would have got rid of my carpet. And things like that. But I, I was uh, given a lot of luxury. So I enjoyed all of that. No, I was delighted that we'd brought it back. And I was very disappointed that it didn't take off. Yes, first off, it's so very nice to meet you. And um, I actually have two questions. The first one is, um, how did you get the part as Radagast? And the second question is, which fandom is crazier, the Whovians or the Hobbit fans? They're all bananas. <laughs> I, well, earlier I did say that what happened was that I was seen 12 years ago for Bilbo Baggins. Uh, they saw me, they see, you know, about a dozen actors, maybe more, and then they whittled them down to the end, and they whittled them down to two, and I was still one in one of those two. And then obviously I didn't get Bilbo Baggins, although they used my hair. Yes, because Ian Holm has not got hair like that in Bilbo Baggins. Whereas when I auditioned for it, my hair was like that. It was curly, it was wild, it was dark. And I was watching the film and thought, my God, they've used my hair. So I did, I did get into it. You know what I mean? I got into it a bit. But that was the beginning of my stagger towards Radigas the Brown. And um, the next thing, again, was um, I, uh, doing the Royal Shakespeare Company's tour of uh, King Lear. Ian McKellen playing King Lear. And I was playing his fool. And it's a very much of a double act. And we took it to New Zealand. And the, the powers that be in New Zealand saw it, and they realized that, uh, you know, we were quite good together. And that was, um, I mean, in fact, what was very interesting was, I remember Ian once said to me, he said, you know, he said, he didn't know about my audition for Bilbo Baggins. He said, you know, you would have made a really great Bilbo Baggins, which was nice of him to say that. But I, I, I didn't think he realized I was going to end up being a, a Radigast the Brown. Sylvester, I think we got time for just a couple more questions. Really? <laughs> uh, my question is, this is kind of a running joke with my family that we, every time we meet a celebrity, we ask them a stupid question. So, was it fun? That's not a stupid question. No, it is fun. It's all fun. It was great fun. I've had fun. I really have had great fun. And, um, oops, sorry. Don't do that again. What? 
Was the doctor's umbrella your idea and did you get to keep it? The doctor's umbrella was my idea and I, I got to keep it. See, what happened was that when, when uh, I was re, uh, you know, came back, uh, uh, when I took over from Colin Baker, uh, he had an umbrella in the scene. So there was this umbrella lying around in uh, my very first scene. And I thought, I'd like to keep an umbrella. And then we discussed it, discussed it, and I said, I want one just like that man put up there. That's it, yeah. And I, the, I wanted a kind of a gampy umbrella with a question mark. I, I wanted to get rid of the question mark pullover because I thought it was too overstated. But I know people love it. And so, you know, I'm glad I didn't really. But that was how I did it. The thing about my regeneration was that Colin Baker didn't turn out for the regeneration scene, as many of you must, might know. And so what they did was, I'm the only actor who's played two doctors. <laughs> doctor number six, which I thought I was very impressive in. And doctor number seven. Now what they did was they put me in Colin's costume. Because Colin's a big fella. They lost me for three days. <laughs> and then they put a you know, kind of curly wig on me. And the curly wig made me look like Harpo Marx. So that's why you don't see my face. I'm just, you know, face down. But um, that was it. I mean, Colin now goes around the world saying, oh, he's still the doctor because he never regenerated. Now he was just too lazy to come and do some work. I'd had to do it for him. <laughs> anyway, here I am. That's the questions. Two more? Three? I'll tell you, um, I was going to ask you one. Do you have any projects now that you're working on or any future project, projects you want to talk about? Well, yes, I've just done a film called, I uh, can't remember it, the name, 17-something or others, with um, somebody or other. Um, oh, yes, I just, uh, last week or the week before, I was doing a, uh, I was playing in a comedy series which hadn't come out on British television yet. It's called Crims, and it's about criminals. It's set in a prison, and it's, uh, uh, I don't know if any of you heard of Porridge. That was one of our favourite comedy prison I mean, imagine having comedy prison programs. Not many. Only in, only in Britain could you do that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, before I was really interrupted, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, I was doing this. I, I, it was a great part. I got this guest part in the prison teaching them Latin. So I was a one-eyed, wooden-legged Latin teacher. It was very eccentric. I did enjoy playing that. That was recently. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a Scottish film coming up in the summer, which uh, I can't talk much about because I don't even haven't read the script. Um, it's all kind of things popping around, happening and stuff like that. Now, why have you given me this? Is it one of those, if you give me three of them, I could put a ball under them and go, which, ch -ch -ch -ch. I'll put this under and, you know, make it disappear. You see... Um, Put that under there like that. I just, uh, you know, and, and, oh no, no, it's going to happen. Oh no, wait, yes. Abracadabra, 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 you were the first. You were the first doctor to wear a fez. I don't think I was, anybody yes. knows this. But With the mop. Yeah, and he had a mop as well. Now, it was a quick scene, so if you blink, you missed it. But. Yeah, it was in Silver Nemesis. I, I, I'd forgotten about that until someone told me that. So, in a way, that was rather touching because, you know, uh, Matt, uh, Mr. Moffat, 
must have been watching it then and remembered that image and brought it back for, uh, for, for Matt. You know, it's really nice. So um, a lot of what I did... I mean, after I finished doing Doctor Who around at that time, there was a kind of a negative feeling about the whole kit and caboodle, merely coming from the BBC hierarchy. Um, and it was really nice that years later, people have started to come back to my doctor, and they seem to think it... W- <laughs> my agent. <laughs> and, you know... They're kind of appreciating what I did. Well, I think that's just about going to wrap up our time, but I have, uh, if you'll indulge me, sir, I have one request. It has always been my dream to play in a band with one of the doctors, and specifically Sylvester McCoy. So I'm wondering if you indulge me, if we could join in with you, and you could play the spoons, and maybe we could play the kazoo, and maybe we can realize my dream of being in a band with Sylvester McCoy. How's that sound? That good? So should we do the, the Doctor Who theme? Dum, oh. dum, 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 dum. You can do that yeah, on those. Come on. Great. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, come okay. on. Come on. I see. I'm on two, five, six. <laughs> Find us at www.travelingthevortex.com. We'll see you out there at the con.